So if you have listened to this podcast before, you would have heard us talk about the danger that online harassment poses to journalists and to democracy itself. Those targeting journalists with online abuse seek to silence them and to discredit their work. You will also know by now that women and members of minorities face especially vicious attacks. These abusive messages don't just target their work, but also seek to undermine them due to their gender or minority identity. So how do we protect journalists from such attacks? Experts say that one of the strategies to minimize the emotional impact is to depersonalize these types of attacks, which for journalists means to get some distance from the abusive comments and use them as a subject of a study. So today we'll talk with Belgian journalists Florence Reynaud and Miriam Leroy, who after years of enduring online harassment, decided to film the documentary Fat Ugly Slut. Released on May 12th, the film features interviews with women activists, gamers and journalists who have been the target of misogyny online. Um, my name is Florence Henault. I'm a freelance journalist and for 10 years I worked for the Belgian public service uh, radio and television, which I left in 2016. Uh, since then I'm a freelance journalist. I mainly write for the press and this is my first movie. And uh, I'm uh, Miriam, I'm a writer and a journalist. I co-directed the movie Fatigue Slut with my dear friend Florence Henault. Which is me. <laughs> and my name is Javier Luque, and this is The Press Freedom Files. The need to create a film with a title as crude as Fat Ugly Slut stems from the abuse both directors have faced since almost the beginning of their careers as broadcast journalists in Belgium. Listen how Florence and Miriam narrate their own story. Uh, actually, it started at the same time as my media career. And there were always nasty comments and then insults, but it became really unbearable in... in, in yep. But it became really unbearable in 2015 when I was hosting a political show. Um, it was a steady stream of insults, uh, demeaning, misogynistic comments, and uh, it took me a long time to understand that uh, it's because a woman, a woman talking about politics is still not an option for everyone. And honestly, I felt like shit. And I felt ashamed and very lonely. Later on, when Miriam and I shared on the topic, I've learned that I wasn't targeted because I was uh, unprofessional or annoying or whatever, just because I am a woman. And actually, it hasn't stopped since 2015, so this is still daily business for me today. And that makes me in a very bad mood. So we made this movie. Um, for me, the attacks uh, started as soon as I became uh, visible, as soon as I became uh, a little bit famous in Belgium, because I was doing uh, columns on the radio in which I gave my opinions about uh, uh, some topics, some um, social phenomena. And um, at the beginning, I must say that I didn't really care about it. Um, 
it was only after a while, after 10 years actually, that it became really painful, especially when I realized that what those insults and the threats said about the misogyny of our society. And uh, what I've learned uh, is that people don't care about misogyny, which is like saying they don't care about women. Being called a fat, ugly slut when you are an exposed woman seems to be natural, normal to everyone. It's not a problem to be fought. So let's dive into into the film. So what did you want to achieve with this film, Fat Ugly Slut? And by the way, out of curiosity, why did you choose this title? And also, why did you use the hashtag in the title of the film? Um, our goal is very simple, actually. Uh, it's to force society to face the facts. Um, there is a terrible violence against women and women journalists in particular, which grows freely. Uh, in the indifference of institutions, media and people. Today, a woman who expresses herself even more than the other is in danger here, in danger in our so-called civilized countries. Um, and why did we use the hashtag in the title? It's Actually, in French, the movie is called Salpute, uh, which could be translated by, I don't know, like... Uh, a dirty whore? Yeah. And people would have thought that uh, it was a movie about uh, sex workers. Uh, and, <laughs> and it's, it's not, not a movie about sex workers. Even if sex workers are targeted and harassed in a large amount. And um, actually in the credits we dedicated the movie to a sex worker uh, who was also an artist who committed suicide after being harassed. And uh, her name was uh, Maya Isofulke. Hmm. The film shows that the attacks go beyond the virtual sphere and the consequences on the women are very real. So what are these consequences? Uh, in my case, uh, the harassment made me uh, over-vigilant, uh, anxious uh, and above all exhausted. So exhausted. It's, it's a full-time job to be a woman <laughs> and, and to be an harassed woman. Um, and this is exactly what, what all the women we spoke uh, to are experiencing. And um, I want to say that we do not believe that the attacks are virtual. Uh, a gang rape threat, it's very real. It's a really uh, tangible. Uh, internet is not the place of the attacks. It's the tool, the channel, but the place of the attacks, uh, that's life, that's real life. We don't separate virtual and real life. We say something like uh, online life and offline life, but it's life. Yeah, and it does not only affect uh, the, the, the targets. Uh, in the same way that um, homophobic, anti-Semitic or negrophobic insult um, is not only aimed at the person to whom it is directly addressed. Uh, the climate of violence against women on the internet has a very concrete effect on all women who observe it. Uh, as we summarized in the movie, um, it's a warning, it's a wake-up call. Look uh, what can happen to you if you open your mouth too big. 
So it does have an effect on many more women that just only the target. And what's the impact on democracy, I mean, for all of us, if women decide to stop sharing their views on social media? I know that you have already somehow hinted that at the previous question, but let, let me insist on it. Um, actually, uh, journalists disappear or they hesitate to cover stories. Uh, they no longer promote their work on social networks, uh, which, is, uh, which has, is important for freelance journalists. I mean, social networks, uh, it's really an important tool. And if they don't dare to do that, it has a very strong effect, economical effect. On them, um, activists become silent, uh, comedians choose carefully the subjects on which they will joke, women researchers, scientists uh, stop speaking in the media and on the internet because it's too violent. Um, in representative assemblies, women are asking themselves if they should speak publicly on issues of gender, equality or racism because they do anticipate uh, what may follow. Um, young women considered sometimes no longer no longer consider entering politics. So we are facing a problem that affects uh, important democratic issues. Uh, women being silent, it's a democratic problem. And misogynistic cyber violence aimed to make women disappear from the digital public space, but also from the physical one. And the invisibilization at work in harassment cases is not a collateral damage, it's an end in itself. Yeah, but the consequence is uh, we think we are in democratic countries, but we are not. It's not a democracy. If we throw away the experience, opinions and expertise of more than half of humanity. Yeah, this is a man's world as it used to be. Uh, it's more than uh, yeah, more than fifty percent of the humanity of humanity doesn't have a word, cannot speak, doesn't dare to speak. So what's what's the what's the value of the debate of the the democratic debate without uh, women's voice? Mm -hmm. This film touches upon many topics directly linked to the phenomenon of online harassment. One of these topics is the role and responsibility of the social media companies. So do you think that they make a business from the hate that is disseminated on their platforms? Oh yeah, actually <laughs> yeah. <laughs> online hate um, makes people stay online a long time and it makes them comment a lot. So platforms have programmed their algorithm to make sure that this content appears first. Hate works way better than uh, cat videos. So yes, it's a business and actually our suffering and our silence is our business. Yes, bad buzz and clashes, that's opportunities for them. So they have no... Um, they, they have no commercial interest to regulate what happens there. Uh, on the opposite, uh, at the contrary, they, it's their business. I mean, they, they, they make a business uh, on our backs, on our suffering, really. And hate, online hate is, uh, is needed for them to make money. So platforms, um, they don't want to cooperate with, uh, with justice and, and police because they have no interest in that. They, if hate stops on the platforms, the business is down. So hate is their business, actually. And they're not 
doing what they can. That's what they say, but it's not true. Mm. Many of the protagonists of the film describe how useless it was to report the online violence to the police. So why do you think that there's this apparent lack of understanding within institutions towards these attacks? Because the institutions, and it's also popular, a popular opinion among the population, uh, they believe that there are more important things to do, more urgent things to do. The police and the justice uh, system are more motivated by carjacking and burglaries. Here, it's only women. We live in a, a misogynistic society and many people don't, don't see misogyny because it's part of our culture. Um, actually, we've all grown up and evolved in a world where women are represented as sexual objects when where power is embodied by white men of a certain age, sorry, but it's true, um, where a 45 years old woman is old, and we all products of this culture. Um, so I think we have to expose everywhere, all the time, what is problematic, violent and unequal, and hoping one day a change of paradigm would be beneficial for all of us. I, I mean, hoping one day it would happen. And you can only do that by exposing the, the problem uh, because people don't see misogyny. Like often they don't see homophobia, they don't see racism, they don't see, you know, it's such a part of our society that we don't see it. So how, how do you, how can you be, how can you be taken seriously by people who think that what you're going through is okay, you know, <laughs> when you go justice thing, it's okay. Police think it's okay, not that important, and so how can you, how can you solve a problem when institutions think it's not? Mm -hmm. I mean, from my point of view, one of the main challenges to combat online harassment is the industry itself. I mean, these attacks have become so normalized that they have become part of the job, and, and they are not, or at least they shouldn't be. I mean, yes, online abuse, it's a common issue, but no, it, it, it shouldn't be normal. It doesn't come with the job. I mean, when you uh, work on politics or when you're a journalist or I don't know if you do, uh, you're a comedian, uh, just look at what your male uh, colleagues uh, go through. We don't go through the same thing. So if it comes with the job, it should come for everyone and it doesn't. And even if male journalists do receive insults and... Uh, it's not, you know, they... they it's not in the same among and it's not the same words. Yeah. Uh, have you ever read about yourself that you should be raped by dozens of immigrants? No, I don't think so. Have you ever read about yourself that you sucked dicks, like a lot of them, just to... to work. Do, yeah, just to do your job? No, you didn't have to read that. So, yeah male journalists are threatened, they get insults and bad comments, but not because they are men, because they are journalists. persons, <laughs> yes. because they are journalists. We are targeted because we are journalists and because we are women and we, it's done in a very sexualized way, which is unbearable. And it really stops you for, from uh, being able to work properly very often it stops you. It's not possible to do your job uh, when you 
even before writing or saying something, you're thinking about what are they going to say? What are they, you know, what are they going to they're going to do. Also. Yeah, what are they going to do? What are they going to say? So you're always thinking about, okay, about the consequences, even before you start writing or talking. And they, you can't work properly yes. like that. The editor-in-chief of uh, almost all journalist women are haters. We, ha we actually expect uh, the medias and the journalists to uh, speak properly about the problem we go through to speak properly about violence against women. But a recent study of the uh, Belgian Journalist Association shows how violent those workplaces are for women. So how can they treat this question properly with... Uh, uh, when they are sexist themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and when they arrest us. So it's... Uh, we... Uh, and I still have some hope about the the mainstream media, you know, because I think the changes in society uh, go through, you know, mainstream media, but I think mainstream medias are also very misogynistic places, so maybe they're not the best places to deconstruct <laughs> the phenomenon. And to wrap up, how do you think that this film would help to fight the plague that online harassment has become? Uh, for me, as the sociologist uh, Renaud Mass says in the movie, things have to be impossible to deny. And uh, I think it's difficult to deny the problem when you saw the movie. So that was our main goal. Yeah, making, making it uh, political. It's not just, you know, an accident plus an accident plus an accident. It's a phenomenon. It's a systemic problem. And that's what we, want, what we wanted to show. And it's complicated to deny because uh, we actually uh, um, worked with many studies. Thank you so much to all those people all around the world who made those studies that help us to make this movie because you, you can't deny that. You know, you can say like, oh, I'm not sure, I didn't see it, I never did that. But uh, where, when you see statistics and they're frightening, you can't deny that it does exist, even if you don't want to see it. Also, where, where can we watch this film? Actually, uh, uh, Arte put it on YouTube. It's uh, on... Yes, on YouTube and on Arte.tv. You can watch it with English subtitles. Um, Italian and Spanish. And Polish and, and Dutch. Uh, and yes. Say hello to the world. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, on, on yeah, Arte.tv or on YouTube. And it's called Selpeut, <laughs> or Fatoglislet, but I forgot the title in German. Dreckschor. Dreckschor. Thank you very much, Florence Reynou and Miriam Leroy, for your time. Thank you very much to both of you. Thanks to you. Thank you. Hi there. So if you have enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it on social media so you help us reach more and more people. Don't forget also to subscribe to our channel in Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts and other platforms. Also, this podcast, this episode is produced by the International Press Institute as part of its Newsrooms on the Line project, which is supported by Adesium Foundation. You can also visit our website and ipi.media. So that's it for today. Thanks for tuning in and see you in the next episode of the Press Freedom Files. Mm -hmm.